0: You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, it was a much better day in uh, the local uh, uh, market today. Uh, And I do see as we ended off, we had a little late in the day surge as well, uh, up around 0.7% to 66,280 odd points. And uh, the rand ending uh, the day, the trading day, that is at 14 rand 24 We're looking at the US market, the Nasdaq and the S&P hitting all-time highs as well, boosted by shares of Tesla as well as uh, uh, data showing that fewer weekly jobless claims have bolstered uh, a view of a steady recovery in the labour market over in the US. We know that's important because that is what Jerome Powell has said the Fed is keeping an eye on and we saw sterling slipping as well after the Bank of England uh, kept, uh, as expected, the size of its stimulus programme unchanged and left its benchmark interest rate at an all-time low of 0.1%. And we're joined by Chantelle Marks, head of equity research at FNB Wealth and Investments, uh, who's back from her holiday, which I'm sure is already a distant memory. Chantelle, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, but you are 100% correct. My holiday is a distant memory, but I would recommend the lovely Northern Cape and the west coast of this country to ah. absolutely anyone. Um, of course, after the third wave uh, calms
0: down. Absolutely. Uh, a place where you have no signal and just open expanse and horizon any which way the eye looks. Well, that's where I was last week as well, in the, the Kruger Park, which is looking fantastic. And Sand Park's doing a great job as well. One of those institutions that even through state capture can uh, hold its head up high. Talk to me about the market action that we saw today, uh, up 0.67%. Really not a bad showing on the local exchange. If you look at the top movers, South32 up 7%, Old Mutual 6.1% after that Ned Bank news. On the downside, Sirius, Capco, DRD Gold. Themes that you're picking up out of all of that?
1: the theme is up (laughs) finally so we've had a we've had a few days where um the market seems to be moving in a specific direction and then towards the end of the day it either trends lower or or higher to end more or less flat so Um, The standout theme to me today is just the fact that we managed to push higher um, after the US market opened. And you can actually see that push coming through from from about three o'clock, which is more or less um, when New York opens, really benefiting from positive uh, economic data coming through from the US. Um, And and that's just the laying fear that even though inflation is quite high, the the economic recovery is on track. Uh, and if we are going to see any sort of tapering, um, most of these Fed presidents and Fed speakers this week have told us that the, the recovery needs to be um, pretty much embedded before they even think about tapering or, or yeah. even even think about thinking about um, increasing rates. So, so but that positive momentum in the economy really driving markets today and finally filtering through to the JSE
0: as well. I was watching Jay Powell's testimony and found uh, the the political tone quite interesting because you've got the Republicans accusing the Democrats of making it almost impossible uh, for Jay Powell to achieve his mandate of, of full employment because of all the stimulus, because you're paying Americans to sit, on home, uh, sit at home on the sofa. And, uh, you know, the retort, obviously, from the Dems, was well you know, after Trump, we had to do something after all of his uh, COVID denialism. We had to stimulate the economy, and we had to roll out vaccines. And you know, r- you'll see the benefits down the road. Very interesting political dynamic that is emerging over in the U.S. Let's move over to Microsoft, which is right now launching uh, Microsoft 11. I tried to click on the link on Twitter, and all I got was a blue circle of death, which is pretty much everything <laughs> that you get when you t- you go onto the Microsoft. Microsoft browser, which is why I use Google or, or Chrome or Firefox or, you know, any of the others. Uh, but Microsoft hitting a $2 trillion market cap. Who would have said that it would be Microsoft and not Amazon or, or Google to get there after Apple?
1: Yeah, I think a, a few years ago we were we were kind of rallying behind uh, Alphabet or Google and saying, "Go, you good thing, you're going to make it, you're going to get to the tr- two trillion um, dollar club." But they just they just kind of ran out of steam a little bit, um, and and I think that the reason why Microsoft has done so well is just it's got massive diversity um, in its. Portfolio, and then the difference between a Microsoft and a Alphabet is that Microsoft earns a lot of subscription revenue, and that subscription model has has really been um, very very good for them. So instead of just buying a, a one-off Office box like back in the day at, at incredible connection, um, you now don't downloading your Office, and it continues to update, and you're paying a monthly fee. So something like that has a lot more runway, um, and because you have that certainty of earnings as well, it's it's a lot easier to forecast what Microsoft is going to earn over over the next 12, 36, 48 months. And that certainty, I think, the, the market really likes. Um, interestingly, I had a look at the, at number three, four and five. Are the largest companies in the world. Uh, four of them are American. Amazon and Alphabet are in there, but they're yeah. not close to two trillion. And then Amarco, uh, the Saudi oil giant, is actually the third largest company in the world still. And I'm sure that this, this rally in oil prices is really helping them at the moment.
0: Yeah, so uh, fossil fuels still up there. Uh, everyone writing the obituary of fossil fuels, as we've seen with a, a recently listed uh, coal company that uh, tanked on its first day, but has come roaring back is up uh, 60% since its IPO. I think uh, too soon yet to write off fossil fuels, despite all of the ESG thematic investing that we're talking about. And I was looking at some of the numbers on Microsoft. It's uh, up 65% since uh, the, uh, the beginning of March last year. 19%, that's how much its sales grew in the last quarter. And if you look at $2 trillion, I mean, I'd Struggled to wrap my head around figures this large, but it's worth more than half as much as the entire German stock market put together. Two trillion dollars. Can you believe it? One company, and uh, I'm sure we're going to find out a lot more uh, through the divorce as well uh, about the uh, the financials of Microsoft. Talk to me about Kumba Iron Ore Trading statement uh, for the halfway point 12.6 billion rand in profit. I mean, it really is one of those cash cows that almost got chopped off by uh, management back in 2016. If you look at that strategic review that uh, Mark Utefani and Anglo-American were undertaking, and was one of those assets that they were considering selling.
1: Yeah, I think they are thanking their lucky stars that Amplat and Kumba was not unbundled the way that they envisioned it, it to to be because uh, Kumba Iron Ore, especially, has done exceptionally well for them. And I, I had a quick look at uh, what the difference is between uh, the iron ore price or the average iron ore price um, last year so that's the period from January through June and the the this, the corresponding period so far this year um the average iron ore price that 62% find it all it's all jumble but anyway the average iron ore price was $86.70 a ton last year the average so far this year is $176 a ton so it's more than doubled and because these companies have were almost bankrupt a few years ago, they've taken so many costs out of the system. Their fixed cost base is a lot smaller than it was, and if they are able to keep their variable costs, or their production costs relatively in check, I mean we're not we're not even telling them to to grow it by the low inflation. It does just not also double. Then super normal profits are the order of the day, and and with with headline earnings per share expected to be up by a minimum of one hundred and fifty. Um, that that's it, it actually comes at at no surprise if you look at the the iron ore
0: price over the yeah. last year Yeah, and the, I mean the share price So you are looking at where is it uh, around 641 42 odd uh, they reached a high of around 725 back in May And uh, it's paying dividends uh, that are more than its share price was back in 2016 So it just shows you how cyclical commodities are and how uh, it is really a mugs game to try and time these things if you're an investor, stay in, stay in for the ride. And uh, Terence Goodlace announced as chairman he's a real mining man. Metarex uh, in his blood, uh, Impala, you know, real career as a, a miner's mining man. He knows all about tons to the mill, so a good appointment that as well. And uh, before I get accused of being sexist when I say a miner's mining man, uh, he could be a miner's uh, mining woman as well if he wanted to be in today's world of social justice and all of these things. He chooses to identify a man, so I can call him that. Uh, So, uh, go out and uh, point me for being wrong on that one. Anyway, Growth Point, investor update for the nine months. Uh, What do you think of property at this stage in the cycle uh, when we are facing third waves in Gauteng? We still have uncertainty. Are we going to go back into level four, even level five lockdown? Would you be owning listed property at this part of the cycle?
1: Yeah, I mean, so we've seen a really nice recovery in the list of property sector generally. Growth um, Point really doing particularly well just because it's it's a it's got a, a bigger portfolio, it's got a more steady portfolio. Uh, people know exactly what they get when they've got Growth Point. You also have a, a kind of a rampant Australian property market really complementing that portfolio through through exposure to Growth Point Australia um but i mean some of the others that have done very well and actually did very well throughout the the 19 period are some of these m- more niche players so um, i'm thinking about equities in in logistics uh, storage on the on the storage uh, front and uh, stocks with retail exposure to kind of these convenience type type centers like a like a fortress um i think what's also been important here yeah, is to look at balance sheets. So, throughout the, the COVID-19 period, the companies with strong balance sheets have, have outperformed. And now the companies that look super cheap actually have uh, are, are, are on a great footing in terms of debt. A lot of them have to actually sell assets in order to bring down debt. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a bad cycle because when you sell the assets, you no longer generate income from it. So, your other debt metrics, uh, which is interest cover, for example, um, get way out of whack. Um, so, it, it's complicated. For the REIT space right now, that's the long answer. Um, and I think it's still a stock picker's game. And I think you still want to be in the stocks with good balance sheets and, and portfolios that offer a, a bit of something different.
0: Absolutely, and uh, those who have brought those loan-to-value ratios all the way down uh, uh, as far as they could without cutting too much, as you said earlier, into the earning uh, capability and the EBITDA capability of that company into the future. Steinoff's Pepco, are pretty upbeat about consumer patterns returning to normal. And when we say Pepco and Steinhoff here, I mean, this is the, the, the European discount retailer Pepco, not Pepcor here in South Africa. What do you make of the announcement?
1: So, I mean, this actually looked okay on the face of it. So, I mean, you always start with revenue, right? And and you can't ignore constant currency revenue growth of 9% amid a pandemic. I mean, that is really, really strong. Um, and if you look at like-for-like like growth, um, considering that they lost um, uh, six of their trading weeks uh, during this period to to COVID-19, that was down by just 2.1%. So very, very strong on the top line. They also managed to expand their growth margin which is really great. Um, and underlying EBITDA also grew quite nicely. There was some expansion there as well. And um, the profit before tax is still negative if you consider um, I mean, some of the accounting adjustments that they like to take out, obviously. And they also didn't dis- disclose profit after tax. Um another thing to consider with this company. So I do think that the the long- term prospects for it is really good. the 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 business in Poland is particularly um, is a particularly good business and, and has very strong growth prospects. Because that region generally is just growing quite fast. Um, but now it's actually starting to look quite expensive. So it's run about 28% since the listing. As a listing, we thought it was valued fairly. So it, it looks a little bit on the stretch side right now. And I don't really know what of plan is with this thing. Mm. Um, I, th- I think I can probably generate. Some some proceeds to further pay down the massive debt pile that they have, um, but then again, you have the same problem as with, with the REITs. You you're paying away a cash flow, real oh, you're you're, you're, you're selling yeah. cash flow, which is terrible.
0: Uh, and it really is. And that's why Steinhoff is really just a, a punter's stock. You can go out and, and gamble and uh, maybe bet on uh, cricket matches if you want to have uh, an equal chance of uh, knowing whether or not you're going to be uh, profitable into the future as you would be in investing in a business like Steinhoff right now. Chantelle Marks, Head of Equity Research at f and Wealth and Investments, with your view from the market.